0: Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Everybody lies. Everybody lies. People lie about how many drinks they had on the way home. They... Lie about how often they go to the gym, how much those new shoes cost, whether they read the book. They call in sick when, they not, when they're not. They say they'll be in touch when they won't. They say it's not about you when it is. They say they love you when they don't. They say they're happy while in the dumps. They say they like women when they really like men. People lie to friends. They lie to bosses. They lie to kids. They lie to parents. They lie to doctors. They lie to husbands. They lie to wives. They lie to themselves. And they damn sure lie to surveys. So says Seth Stevens Davidowitz in his brand new book titled Everybody Lies. Hey, Seth, you did a hell of a job. I sent you an email after I finished it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean
1: it. Thank you, Michael. Uh, you, as, as I've said on numerous occasions, you've been my uh, biggest fan besides my mother uh, these last couple of years, so.
0: Well, it's I your grandmother it. who's uh, it's it's your grandmother who's praise I want. I mean, because she's she is the real uh, data explorer as you are, just from a different uh, point of view. Hey, that's what you call yourself. I was struggling like, how do I introduce him? You're an internet data explorer among many other things. Is that fair? Yeah,
1: yeah, that, 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 I'd say that's fair. Yeah.
0: And you were inspired. I didn't learn this until the end of the book, but I, it was pretty cool because I loved his work as well. You were inspired by Stephen Levitt. You read Freakonomics and you said, that's what I want to do.
1: That's right. I mean, I read that. That was maybe ten, more, more than 10 years ago. But I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, that you could learn about the world by uh, data and learn things that people may not be, be willing to tell you. Uh, and uh, the, the, that's kind of what I tried to do in this book.
0: And, and Seth, what has largely allowed you to present the picture that you do in the book, and we're going to get to some of the examples in a sec, was a breakthrough in 2009 from Google Trends. How did that impact your quest for knowledge?
1: I think, so Google Trends in 2009, they made available, uh, Google made available kind of uh, anonymous and aggregate data on what people search, where they search it, when they search it. And they initially thought it a thought of it as kind of a joke that uh, it would be like play around. You could play around and learn about some fashion trends or what celebrities were popular. But I think, uh, you know, I, the more I, the more I looked at the data, I thought this stuff's really serious and you could learn a lot more about people than we've ever known. Because while people lie to everybody, as I said, they're there, everybody lies to everybody. Uh, they tend to be really, really honest to Google.
0: And you think that, Therefore, you can learn more about, say, sex by what people are searching than what they're going to tell a pollster.
1: I think that's definitely true. Yeah, Uh, that's that's pretty clear. So an example, I mean, if if you if you ask uh, where are men gay in the United States, if you ask people if they're gay, if you ask in a survey, uh, you get a lot more gay men in places where it's easier to be gay, like California and New York, a lot fewer gay men in Mississippi and Tennessee. Uh, But if you look at gay porn searches, they're much more similar, Uh, almost as many gay porn searches in uh, places where it's hard to be gay as places when it's easy to be gay.
0: You take a look at the data. uh, We may as well go there now. And you come to your own calculus as to how many among us really are gay. Walk me through that.
1: Well, I say it's 5 percent. Of course, like uh, it's kind of it's not it's not something where you you can put a precise number on it, Five point one, two, three. 6% 6% gay because it's, it's, you know, it's not an easily defined term, but uh, w- but if, if you look at both the amount of porn that's searched uh, in different places, which is about 5% uh, of gay male porn, and then the other thing you can look at is uh, in pla- pe- in places where it's easy to be gay, like high school students in Berkeley, in, in the Bay Area now, where there's a much, almost full tolerance towards homosexuality, how many gay people there are. Uh, And and, and and it's it's close to about 5% there. So looking at it a whole number of different ways, I think uh, you you, you say about 5% of men are gay. It's not 10% like uh, people used to say, and it's not 2% like surveys say.
0: There's a whole discussion of porn that in some parts creeped me out in the book. I'll tell you exactly what I'm thinking of because, Seth, you point out that many porn searches are incest-related.
1: I did, I did point that out. I mean, I'm just I'm just presenting the truth, and like people can deal with it at, at, deal with it as they want. I mean, that shot. There are so many things here that shock me. Uh, there's a weirdness I think at the heart of the human psyche uh, that you don't normally see, uh, but kind of reveals itself at 2 a.m. on Pornhub. Uh, okay, and, but yeah, here's but one here's, of them. So-
0: So here's the question, though, that I was wondering as I was reading the book, because the book makes compelling arguments that that our searches are a a very accurate prism of what's going on in our world, more so than what we're going to tell a stranger. But is there something different about the people who are doing those searches? Right. In other words, maybe the people who are doing the searches are looking for a partner and therefore they're they're looking for porn or they're looking for a same sex relationship. But the people who aren't searching those things are different than those those individuals.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think you have to be a little bit careful. People tend to tell Google things they don't want to tell to other people. Right. Uh, Right. So one of the things that I I say in the book is that there are more that men make more searches on how to make their penis bigger than how to make an omelet. Uh, But it could be that if if you if you need an omelet recipe, you can just ask your wife. Right. Because you don't need to. It's not necessarily embarrassing, but you're not going to ask your wife about penis enlargement so you go to Google there. Uh, So so I think there is a a little bit of a bias that you do have to be careful to, but I don't think that – I think you can be careful as long as you're cautious about how to interpret things. I think there are a lot of insights that you can't get anywhere else.
0: All right, I didn't. I didn't think we were going to get to penis enlargement so quickly in the conversation. But as long as we are there, so everybody you, you knows. St- you, started,
1: you started the sex <laughs> stuff, so. I, I, I okay. Can't. Well, how could I, I, I not? The, a,
0: lot, a large part of the book is about that. So, for all that gets said about a guy's fascination with the size of his member, there's parity between that and women having concern over the odor of their genitalia.
1: <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> that's <laughs> true confirms yeah that that's,
0: okay well, uh, that, why that, are that, you the why are you the one of of so few words i'm I'm the one leading you along here tell me the story
1: <laughs> no no that 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 definitely surprised me there are so many things in this data that so that surprised me, so yeah, it's not surprising that men are insecure about the size of their penises, right you didn't need a right. data internet data explorer to tell you that although the degree of it uh is is, is still kind of surprising but uh, but uh, I think the the female equivalent that's revealed by Google search data, vaginal odors, is definitely something I would have not, not have guessed. And actually, so when I, when I kind of found that, I kind of wrote it a little bit as a joke because it, it kind of, I, I don't know, if for, maybe I'm just immature. I kind of found it a little bit amusing, but it's definitely not a joke. And I talk about afterwards how uh, I've been contacted by a lot of people in sexual education, that there are a lot of uh, younger girls that are really paranoid about this issue and think their life is over Uh, about this but because it's so embarrassing we didn't really know about it or it's considered so embarrassing we didn't really know about it and now sex ed can maybe incorporate some of this data to to tell women kind of to calm down and what's normal and stuff
0: look and you just and you just touched on what the the big theme of the book is that we have been given this remarkable insight into humankind by virtue of our internet dependence
1: yeah it's uh yeah it's kind of the, th- the things you can learn about people is just uh, mind blowing. I have a, one of my uh, favorite examples in the book is uh, is uh, uh, the uh, uh, Islamophobia—people who hate, who were angry at Muslims—and uh, so after the San Bernardino uh, terrorist attack, there was this huge rise in Islamophobia. People, the number one search people made about Muslims was "kill Muslims." So, really, really angry, angry people. Uh, kind of confessing these dark, dark thoughts to to Google. And uh, you can actually see, uh, Barack Obama gave speeches uh, trying to calm Islamophobia. And you can actually see basically minute by minute how these angry people respond to words that Obama uh, said and what actually calms their, their, their anger and what actually inflames their anger. And it's very different from what people would have traditionally thought.
0: Well, okay, speaking of Obama because I, I think this is really where you began to make your mark. you you inputted the N-word and you studied a correlation to Obama election results. By the way, you confess that your analysis was rejected by what five academic journals initially.
1: Yeah, that yeah, that that, that that's true. And, I don't know if I'm, then, I I, and, I don't know if that's confession or it's just me being disgruntled, but yeah. Okay, that and then true.
0: and then Nate Silver comes along and says, "Oh, hey, look where Donald Trump did well. It's the same place where the N-word was being inputted and you had it 4 years earlier. So what's the lesson there apart from Nate being slow to the party?"
1: No, 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 no. no, no. Nate Nate Silver's a leader in in data science. I'm I'm definitely not going to attack his work, but I think uh You know, I I think weird data sources uh, take a while to be accepted because uh, you can think like Google searches are not perfect data. It's not like, you know, 100 percent the reason that people make a particular search or what it means and their different biases. But I think the patterns are much stronger than people might have originally guessed. And uh, we're definitely uh, learning a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot more from this data than people initially thought we we ever would.
0: Not that I'm taking you back into the realm of porn, but this was another stunner for me. What does sluthood have to do with the unemployment rate?
1: Yeah, so I, I was looking. What, one of the big things that people try to do is predict the unemployment rate before the government uh, releases the data because the government takes weeks to, uh, to, to get out to collect and you know they're kind of slow and they use these old-fashioned surveys and it takes a while to collate all that data. So I've looked at, uh, you can actually play around and see the number, what correlates with the unemployment rate of all Google searches. What are the number one things that correlate with the unemployment rate? And I thought for sure it would be uh, you know, new jobs, unemployment benefits, something like that. Those would be the searches that were high, most correlated with the unemployment rate. But the number one search that was correlated with the unemployment rate in the time period I looked at was Slutload, which is a porn site because people when they're out of work basically have more time to watch porn. So
0: if you if you take a look and you see that, that a porn search like that is on the rise, it doesn't bode well for the economy.
1: Yeah, and like there are other ones that are more PG. Uh, solitaire is highly correlated with the unemployment rate, but I think in general— yeah, just,
0: We're, we're uh, not interested in that. No interest in that. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, I think in general it's just—even uh, forgetting about the particular unemployment rate, the idea that you can measure how much leisure there is in an economy at a given time, I think, is something that we haven't traditionally— uh, thought we haven't traditionally measured, but is, is really interesting.
0: I promise you, Seth, I'm not giving away the whole book for free, but just a couple of more of these to whet people's appetite. And, l- and let me just repeat, Seth Stevens Davidowitz has written one hell of a book. It is called Everybody Lies, Big Data, New Data, and What the Internet Can Tell Us About Who We Really Are. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from SiriusXM.
1: NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you. Guided by plant professionals, dig into botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Online learning your way. Register at nybg.org.
0: Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Seth Stevens Davidowitz has written one hell of a book. It is called Everybody Lies, Big Data, New Data and What the Internet Can Tell Us About Who We Really Are. You say this is not a surprise. You say people are most unhappy on a Monday and yet the fewest searches for jokes are on a
1: Monday. Yeah, the, the I, I kind there. There's this idea of gallows humor, right? That we turn to humor to cheer ourselves up. That we right. turn to humor when things are not going well, and that's just not true in the data. If you look at when people uh, seek jokes, it's uh, almost it's much. They're much more likely to look for jokes when things are going well in their lives, and uh, you can even see uh, like how do jokes respond after terrorist attacks or after wars. There's been this idea that. Uh, again, people turn to humor when really bad trauma strikes. It's not true at all. Searches for jokes collapse uh, whenever you ha- something bad happens.
0: And again, on the issue of reliability, because I come back and I say, OK, this is a reflection of what people are searching, but are what people are searching for, does that necessarily uh, reflect society at large? This gets to the – this is a heck of an interview. This gets to the why is my poop green question. You say we, I mean, this, you write about this, right? I mean, back it, me it up on this. So that,
1: this, is a ser- this is a serious book of uh, social science. It's not just all, uh, no, but, and poop but and your,
0: stuff. but your point is, your point is we are incentivized to be honest in our internet yeah. exploring explain.
1: Well, in some internet exploring, there are some areas where we're totally dishonest, like social media. I, I, I write a lot about how the lies that you see in social media data. But I think, uh, you know, if you have a problem, if you have certain symptoms, if you have uh, anxiety, if you have a sexual curiosity, uh, you have no incentive to tell that to anybody else necessarily. You don't have an incentive to tell that to an anonymous survey, but you do have an incentive to tell that to Google.
0: Finally, uh, on the subject of the Internet driving us apart, uh, which, by the way, I have bought into. I I have thought, Seth, that that the Internet is, uh, is so wonderful in changing our lives and giving us access to information, but it has facilitated our going into our bunkers, our silos, and associating with the like-minded, and therein I see a causal connection with incivility. But you take a look at the data, and you don't come to that conclusion.
1: It's, it's just not true. Uh, it, 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 it is true that on the Internet you're more likely to hang out with people who share your political views But you're also more likely to hang out with people who share your political views offline uh, in the in in your the the friends you associate with your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers They're all more much more likely to uh, share your political views than not. And it turns out there's actually you're more likely to come across people with opposing uh, views online than you are offline.
0: Hey, I, I applaud you. You own this area. You know, this is really great. I, I think you're the guy. This is such a fascinating subject area. And I think that you have you've taken ownership of it in a way that is putting you, I, I as I said to you privately, puts you in a league with with Levitt and Adam Grant and Malcolm Gladwell. It's that kind of a book that you have written. So I, I wish you all good things with it. And I hope it's a, a real breakout moment for you.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it, Michael.
0: All right, Seth Stevens Davidowitz. Everybody lies is the uh, is the title of the book. TC, your thoughts? Is that not Freakonomics like? It's fantastic. And it, it sounds so interesting as you laid it out. I've got to read it. He um, he also it's also in the every, every what is normal category, which is something that I'm always so fascinated with, and sort of the things that you're you're not comfortable talking about to other people, but you are comfortable googling is your truth, right? I mean, I, I think that's sort of fascinating. He look. He says words are data, and clicks are data, and links are data. And he's the data, data he, guy. He's the day. You know, he's a brilliant guy, Stanford educated, and and has a pedigree that's really impressive. But but he makes the point that we are we are honest online in a way that we are not with with people that uh, that are family members or or closest to friends. I'm, I'm looking for a, a particular quote where he. Where he laid it all out. Oh, he talks about Zuckerberg. Do I have time to tell you a quick Zuckerberg quick thing? Zuckerberg. Okay, this Zuckerberg early in his you know part of this you know early in his sophomore year created a website for his fellow students called Face Mash, modeled on a site called Am I Hot or Not? Face Mash would present pictures of two Harvard students and then have other students judge who was better looking. The sophomore site was greeted. With outrage, the Harvard Crimson in an editorial accused young Zuckerberg of, quote, catering to the worst side of people. Hispanic and African-American groups accused him of sexism and racism. And yet before Harvard administrators shut down Zuckerberg's Internet access just a few hours after the site was founded, 450 people had viewed the site and voted 22,000 times. Those are the kind of stories and anecdotes you get. In everybody lies. Hear more of Michael Smirkonish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or any time on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022